Today we're going to be talking about the Bible. It's a large subject. The Bible, on the one hand, is incredibly complex because it's a collection of 66 books written over the span of a thousand years, mostly in Hebrew, but also in Aramaic and in Greek. But despite the complexity of the Bible, there is also this conviction that the Bible is quite simple, that anyone can understand and read it. If that were not the case, the scriptures would not have been translated into 704 languages in its totality. And the New Testament has actually been translated into more than 1,500 languages, with many more translations underway all of the time. Every week, it's a meaningful process to write a sermon, but especially this week, I found myself reflecting on countless conversations I've had with people over many years about the Bible, and I've been grateful for the ways people have opened up to me about their experiences with Scripture. In today's sermon, you'll meet a number of imaginary people, but each one is really a conglomeration or an aggregate of several real people who have shared similar yet unique experiences from their lives about the Scripture. So I've written a sermon with countless people in mind And with great prayerful affection and hope that for all of them, Scripture will one day taste sweet. And as I was struggling to condense all that I wanted to say about the Bible into a sermon this past week, I visited one of our members who showed me her Bible that she was given as a little girl, I think in 1933. And that Bible was falling apart after years and years of good and faithful use. And it was a strangely beautiful thing and a very timely thing this week to think about for me. And I realized that that's sort of the one point that I hope to make today, is that hopefully all of your Bibles will one day fall apart because you have spent so much time turning its pages. So with all of that being said, let us pray for God's illumination as we turn our attention to the reading and proclamation of God's word. O Lord, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. So illumine now our hearts and our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we might receive with joy your sweet truth to us today. All these prayers we make in the name of Christ, the word made flesh. Amen. The first scripture lesson today comes from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. And the sermon text today comes from the book of Psalms, Psalm 119. This is the longest psalm, so we will not be reading all of it. We'll be limited to verses 97 through 112. This is the time, by the way, if you got your honey straw when you came in from worship, I would invite you to enjoy this honey straw while we're reading this text. 
It's very easy to open, hopefully easier than the communion cups have been lately. Three-step process. First, fold it in half. Second, put some pressure on one end, and then just bite on the end. And then you can suck the rest of it up with your fingers as we read. Listen now for God's word. The psalmist says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all day long. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is always with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your decrees are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn away from your ordinances, for they have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to observe your righteous ordinances. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your ordinances. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your decrees are my, my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever, to the end. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Mm. How does scripture taste to you? Is it sweet? Is it sweeter than honey in your mouth, like it is for the psalmist? Or does it taste like something else? For Sandy, scripture tastes bland. It tastes like rice with no salt or seasoning or butter. It's boring. It's irrelevant. It's about things that happened long ago that don't relate to life today. Sandy grew up in a highly intellectual church. She went to Sunday school and learned the stories about Noah and David and Daniel, which are exciting stories in their own right. But so little of her overall experience with the Bible was so action-packed. Most of the time in church, she didn't know what the preacher was talking about. She couldn't really sing the hymns. Church felt long, and that hour on Sunday morning dragged on. So when she left for college, Sandy stopped going to church. Not because she didn't believe in God, but because there were so many other exciting things to do on Sunday morning. It was a good time to get caught up on sleep, or go for a hike, or hang out with friends. Meanwhile, Sandy's Bible still sits on her nightstand, where it always has. But she hardly ever opens it. She prefers to read People or Vogue magazine if she has time to read at all. 
And she's obliged to read the news for class in order to do those reports on current events. At least those readings are about things that are happening in the world, she thinks. Even on the rare occasion she does open the Bible, she doesn't know where to start or where to turn to. Sometimes she reads something that's sort of interesting, and other times she has no idea what the text is talking about. But either way, she never lasts very long. Sandy considers herself a Christian because she's never known anything else. But she wouldn't say she has a close relationship with God. And in fact, she wonders if religion's even a good thing for the world or not. I mean, it's a source of so much conflict after all. And what are people fighting about? Don't religions basically all teach the same thing, and so shouldn't we all just get along? Sandy doesn't like what she calls really religious Christians who come on too strong. Okay, we get it. You're religious. That's fine. Just don't force your beliefs on everyone else, she says. When it comes to the Bible, Sandy just doesn't get it. She shrugs when the topic is brought up. It's boring, she thinks. And she just doesn't understand why some people get so into it. For Sandy, the scriptures taste bland. For Bert, the scripture tastes sour, like lemon juice concentrate. It's tough to swallow. It makes him scrunch his face, thinking about how many people actually believe it. But as a professor of biblical studies, he deals with the Bible every day. Now, Bert grew up in a fundamentalist household. It was almost cultish. He had to memorize and recite all sorts of things in church and was taught that evolution is evil. The earth is no more than 7,000 years old. Every word in the Bible is literally true, and you have to believe that in order to go to heaven when you die. Ironically, he stopped reading the Bible much himself growing up because he knew what it said. Bert wanted to become a preacher, so went to college to study for ministry. But when he got to college and was forced to read the Bible carefully, he discovered many things in the Bible that he didn't understand and couldn't piece together. How did Jonah survive in the belly of a whale, he wondered, when he learned about how the whale's stomach enzymes and all the methane gas is not suitable for human life. As he studied Greek and Hebrew, he discovered discrepancies in the most ancient manuscripts that were difficult to reconcile. And by the end of college, Bert's faith had completely disintegrated. He no longer believed the Bible to be Holy Scripture, for he had decided it was full of errors. And if it wasn't all literally true, then none of it could be trusted. Worse, he felt like he had been deceived through the course of his first two decades of life and he looked back on that time bitterly, salty and sour about who he had been and what he had been taught to believe. He now had a chip on his shoulder. But by then, Bart had a religion degree and nothing else, so he decided to further his biblical studies and continued to study Greek and Hebrew, immerse himself in the study of the ancient Near East, and he ultimately became a professor at a state university where he could teach the Bible from a historical and literary perspective, rather than as Holy Scripture. The career suits Bert well enough. He's always been a smart, intellectual person. He loves a good word study about where the name of God originated, or which psalms were also used to worship Canaanite gods. For Bert, the Bible is interesting. 
but it's certainly not authoritative for truth. Not only is it interesting, but it reinforces what has become the central narrative of his life. That he's smarter than the Bible, and he's earned the right to prove it in every one of his classes. Bird admits to taking a certain pleasure in seeing the horrified look on his naive students' faces when they discover things about the Bible they hadn't learned before. Though he does feel uneasy about drawing students away from their faith, but it's been liberating for him, so it must be for everyone else as well, he figures. After all, Bert believes his students need to be educated. Religions for the unintelligent, the opiate of the masses, as Karl Marx once put it. The academy is a place to break down the myths of religion and teach his students from those who know better, among whom Bert counts himself. When it comes to the Bible, Bert keeps everything at arm's length. He doesn't believe in submitting to any authority other than reason and science, and he certainly wouldn't submit to the authority of a sacred text. But the Bible is interesting. It engages his mind, and he enjoys the life it's given him. At times, and, and don't tell his colleagues he said this, but at times he even wishes it were true. He doesn't believe in God anymore, he says, but he does sometimes miss God. Still, he can't leave behind the way he was raised. For Bert, the scripture tastes sour. For Larry, the scripture tastes spicy. It tastes like a raw jalapeno loaded with seeds, which quickly floods your mouth with that all-encompassing sting. It makes his blood boil and his brow sweat gets him all riled up. It inspires him to come out swinging. Larry grew up in a small town in a very structured family, and his parents taught him right from wrong, and he followed in their footsteps in pretty much everything that he did. His family read the Bible every night at dinner and prayed together before bed. And so Larry knew there was nowhere else to turn for answers to life's questions than Scripture. Scripture says it all. After high school, he went and worked for the family business, and soon he got married and started a family of his own. He plans to raise his kids just as he was raised. But the world around Larry is changing quickly. He fears the corrupting influences of American culture, which he believes are undermining the values he professes and wants to teach his children. He's not about to succumb to popular culture or the claims of the academy. No, he's going to stand his ground. Larry believes that the Bible is crystal clear about who you should be and what you should do. And he knows his Bible, having read it almost every day of his life. So whenever a conversation comes up about right and wrong, Larry is ready. He can quote that Bible, and he insists that nothing else need be brought into the conversation. For Larry, the Bible draws a strict line between who is in and who is out. And while anyone can come into the Christian fold, they must first make certain changes. Or meet certain criteria. The reason you can't just let anyone believe whatever they want to believe is that they'll lead others astray as well. Your faith is something you have to fight for. With religion declining in America, Larry believes the church needs to be strong as a shelter from the world's poisonous culture. When it comes to the Bible, Larry keeps everything simple. Do what the Bible says and everything will be fine. Speak up in defense of your faith, or even more people 
will abandon their religion. In a confusing world where no one knows where to turn, Larry sticks with the scriptures he knows best. For Larry, the scripture tastes spicy. You see, the Bible can taste like all sorts of things, can't it? For Sandy, the scripture tastes bland, like rice with no salt or seasoning or butter. It's boring. It's irrelevant. For Bert, the scripture tastes sour, like lemon juice concentrate. It's tough to swallow. It makes him scrunch his face as he remembers the way he was raised. For Larry, the scripture tastes spicy, like a raw jalapeno loaded with siege, which quickly floods your mouth with its sting. Makes his blood boil and his brow sweat. Gets him all riled up. It inspires him to come out swinging. But for Ellen, the scripture tastes sweet. The scripture tastes sweet. Ellen craves scripture. She delights in it. It's rich and encouraging and compelling And she reads slowly, carefully, prayerfully, enjoying every bite, savoring the sensation of God's promises. Unlike Sandy, Ellen finds the Bible to be very relevant to her daily life. Sure, there's plenty of things that she doesn't understand, but she's always up for learning something new. For instance, she recently discovered the book of Deuteronomy, which... She always thought it was an obscure and strange book, but it turns out Deuteronomy is full of instructions about how to treat refugees, which is exactly what she sees the news about every day at television. She sees all kinds of things about refugees. And while there's lots of other tempting distractions that vie for her time, and while those distractions may be a little more entertaining, perhaps, They never leave Ellen feeling as encouraged or at peace the way the scriptures do. For Ellen, the scripture tastes sweet, sweeter than honey in her mouth. Unlike Bert's, Ellen isn't bothered by the oddities in scripture. and She certainly doesn't consider herself to be anything less than an intelligent person. It's not a matter of choosing between reason and faith for Ellen. Scripture prompts her to think more deeply about everything. Ellen loves the wonders of nature that science reveals, and she doesn't really care whether or not Jonah was really swallowed by a whale. I mean, we'll never know one way or the other anyway, she says. And she agrees that the Bible is interesting, sure, but Ellen loves it because it defines her. It tells her who she is, that she is claimed and redeemed and loved by the God who created her. Unlike Larry, Ellen isn't dogmatic or rigid. She doesn't make her faith contingent upon knowing all the answers, and she's open to new ideas without feeling threatened. Ellen knows she doesn't always understand everything, But she doesn't feel the need or think it's her job to tell everyone else who they should be and what they should do. She trusts that God is with everyone, helping them along. Ellen doesn't enjoy arguments about who is right because 
people stop listening to each other immediately when things get contentious. And then she figures it usually just does more harm than good anyway. After all, from Ellen's perspective, the vast majority of Scripture is more beautiful than it is controversial. Why don't the beautiful parts of Scripture unite us the way the confusing parts divide us, she wonders. For Ellen, Scripture tastes sweet. Sweeter than honey in her mouth. Each morning as Ellen sits down with her Bible to do her daily reading, she's amazed that after 85 years of reading the same text, she still gleans new insights all the time. Questions arise in her mind that she'd never considered before, and she notices all these connections from one book of the Bible to the next as the text bounces around in her mind. Best of all, the scripture always seems to be speaking directly to her, as if God knows exactly what she needs to hear that day and winks at her with a smile through the text. For Ellen, the scripture is alive and fresh, compelling and comforting. It always seems to prepare her for her day. And each evening as Ellen prays before bed, she finds herself praying the words of the Bible she knows so well, almost without thinking about it. Sometimes she knows exactly what she wants to pray about, and other times she's sort of at a loss for words. But in those cases, the words of Scripture pop into her mind so naturally and flow from her lips with a comforting ease, sweeter than honey in her mouth. What does scripture taste like to you? Is it sweet? Sweeter than honey?